Okay, folks, good to see you this morning. Take your uh, book if you have a book. If not, we have some printed copies uh, for you today. We're finishing up this section. Matter of fact, finishing up the entire book. And for the last uh, five weeks, this will make the sixth week in a row, we're looking at a passage and we've uh, basically saw uh, some of the work of Elijah in his ministry. Uh, today's subject matter is lead others to serve. Lead others to serve. Uh, if we study the life of Jesus in the New Testament, particularly what we learn from him is that he chose, if you remember correctly, he chose 12. And what he was going to do with them is he was going to teach them, lead them. And the great work that he had uh, to lead them in was to become fishers of men. Now, Paul would have his Timothy in the New Testament, if you remember. Yes, there was Silas, there was Barnabas, there was John Mark, there was a, a lot of people surrounding him. But if we would consider maybe a mentor, uh, we would think that Paul became that for Timothy. And uh, the lesson from that is, what we look at today is, that we should be leading others to serve, okay? And uh, not all of us serve in the same place, but we serve the same person, okay? And that is, as we serve God, we should be leading others to serve alongside of us. So let's pray together as we begin today. Father, it is with joy that we come before your throne of grace, ever acknowledging, Lord, that you are the God of truth. Also, Lord, thank you for your mercy, but also your ministry in our behalf. Lord, because you in many ways have taught us to serve. And now the challenge before us is to lead others as well. Bless us as we look now at this lesson and encourage us as we continue to stay faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. The introduction to the lesson today, if you read it, and I'm surely believing most of you did, uh, comes from Nelson Mandela. Uh, talked about uh, what counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived, it is what difference we have made to the lives of others. That will determine the significance of the life we lead, would Nelson Mandela say, who became South Africa's first democratically elect president. His legacy was built on choices to act for the benefit of others who would follow. 27 years in prison for the first 18 years, he was held in a cell with no bed or plumbing, a sign to do hard labor and regularly endured inhumane punishment. But in 1985, he was offered release under the condition that he ceased to engage in political activities. He said, I cannot and will not uh, give up any undertaking at, at a time when I and you, a time when I and you, the people, are not free. Your freedom and mine cannot be separated. Now, the reality of all that is said there is he became a leader even while incarcerated. Now, with all of that in mind, 
we have looked at the life of Elijah. We saw Elijah on the mountain calling fire from heaven. We saw Elijah in the valley when he, uh, when he was so uh, much in despair that uh, he even uh, would, would think uh, uh, there of no will to live. Now today, as we look at the closing chapter of his life, we are reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. It says, Elijah left there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen, of oxen were in front of him. He was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother and then I'll follow you. Go on back, he replied. For what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, slaughtered them with the oxen's wood yoke, wooden yoke and plow. He cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. If you remember in last week's study, uh, after or during the time that Elijah was in great distress, uh, Elijah was visited by the Lord, and he had uh, uh, then been given instruction of three things he was to do. Now, I'm trying to get my uh, place back there, and I can't readily find it. Uh, but yes, it is. Uh, there in 1 Kings 19 and 15, uh, he was to anoint a prophet in his place. He also uh, then uh, was given some other things, but mainly that. And this is what we find in these verses this morning. For those of you who are watching, us by, or watching with us on YouTube today, Again, we're in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. And the scripture tells us, or it brings before us, another man, and his name is Elisha. Now, the writer gives uh, some good notes here. So, uh, if you might have got a copy of the notes that I uh, printed this morning, it may have some underlined material or some shaded lines on there. And that was coming from my book, okay? Well, not everyone, the writer said, who is on a mission recognizes their need for the help of others. Now, if we're not careful, it's sometimes in our immaturity. What happens is we don't recognize our need of others. We think that we can do it solo, or we think we can do it alone. We're maybe intelligent enough that we don't need somebody, or maybe we're uh, energetic enough. Regardless of that, we know that uh, we all need someone else. Uh, the attitude there that the writer prints, that could be our attitude from time to time. If you want something done right, who are you going to get to do it? Ourself, usually, is it? Did you know that's the reason why many of us as pastors, we don't mentor somebody? We don't want to invest the time in it. Did you know sometimes that's why mamas don't teach their girls to cook? And the reason is it, it takes an investment to do that. That's why if, uh, carpenters don't teach their son to be a carpenter. Or school teachers don't want their kids to become school teachers. Why? Because it's a hard job. 
Well, now we discover here uh, that Elijah, he finds Elisha, and he finds him at a time when he is plowing. Now, remember Elijah had told the Lord, I'm the only one left. And the Lord, I think he chuckled a little bit maybe when Elijah said that. And then after the Lord had spoken to him with that still small voice, he has retained that thought pattern here now and we discover that he is being faithful to what God has called him to do. When God told him to enlist Elisha to carry on the mission, Elijah never hesitated. Notice, he didn't ask God a question. Are you sure that's the right guy? You sure, Lord, he, he might not have this quality? But Elisha immediately, from what we find here, uh, finds Elisha who is plowing, and he has the oxen in front of him, and now uh, he throws his mantle on him. Now notice, he didn't throw a jar at him like I did to my brother one day. I was trying to anoint him, you could believe, not in the right way. But here Elijah, in a token there of recognition of God passing the baton or passing the mantle, Elijah will throw it there and it lands on Elisha. Now, uh, God had told, him, had told him to do it. To disobey would be to rob Elisha of the opportunity to fulfill God's calling on his life. Now, as we look back, the reference I was wanting to give you earlier about those three things, uh, go back home and read it. It's in verses 15 to 18 of the same 19th chapter here. And this is one of the tasks that Elijah was told to perform as a result there of his encounter with the Lord. I put in my notes, or not in my notes, I scribbled on my page. When God chooses someone, it is sometime the one who is already working. Now, Elisha is not working, quote, as a prophet right here. But what we do find is that Elijah sees Elisha. And Elisha is willing to work, okay? The reality of uh, work in ministry is a word that some people don't put together. But we find Elijah and Elisha. We, we discover that in this passage. I'm on page 120. Elijah made his invitation to Elisha with an unspoken gesture. The mantle is a cloak symbolic of this, a symbolic of his office as a prophet there of God. Elijah made the invitation, but he could not control the response. You understand what the writer is saying there? In other words, Elijah just simply recognized Elisha. But if Elisha was going to be the prophet, that God had called him to be, he had to likewise respond faithfully to that. Yes, I, I have to admit to you, there are many who might have been called uh, in past who did not choose to be faithful to the calling. And that's what we're trying to discern here is that Elisha now is a man who understood the call and he responded to the call. And he was faithful. 
Again, a few things I wrote in the margin of my book. What have you been called from? Elisha, let me uh, maybe establish that Elisha is being called from the farm in many ways, is he not? He's plowing the oxen. Hey, who wouldn't like to give up the oxen to go over and be a prophet of God who hardly had to work, some would say. Well, what have you been called from? What have you been called to? Now, how did Elisha know what he was going to be? How did Elisha understand what he is being called to? Did he know how to be a prophet of God? No. Did the men Jesus called who were disciples, did they know how to fish for men? No. But the good news is Elijah was going to mentor Elisha Jesus was going to teach his disciples, and it really all boils back to this. Who have we been called by? And that's the Lord. And when the Lord calls, we, we prayerfully should be faithful and answer yes. So Elijah finds Elisha, who is plowing in the field, and he throws his mantle on him or his coat. And immediately Elisha stops and they converse. And as a result of that, that is the calling and the response of Elisha to the task. Now we move to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6, and that's important now. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 6, 7 uh, through 11, okay? Elijah said unto him, Stay here. The Lord is sending me to the Jordan. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men from the sons of the prophets came and stood observing them at a distance, while two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, which parted to the right and left. Then the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Elisha answered, Please let me inherit two shares of your spirit. Elijah replied, You have asked for something difficult. If you see me being taken from you, you will have it. If not, you won't. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. Now, we're reading uh, here, uh, and they're at the Jordan. Boy, the Jordan has, has had some great stories, has it not? For us and encounters for God's people. It is that river that continuously flows from the north at Mount Hermon, flows and uh, fills the red, I mean, fills the Dead Sea, as we call it, okay? That's uh, from one end of the spectrum to the other. Same river that you could visit today. However, we discover these two men are there. And Elijah just says to the young prophet Elisha, what would you want from me if you can ask for anything? 
Notice, he doesn't want his Cadillac. He doesn't want uh, anything else from Elijah. He just said, man, I'd love to have a double portion of your spirit. Now, I, I like that term double portion. Don't y'all, instead of, instead of twice what you have, I like that double portion. It makes me really think. Now, Elijah is willing, but he said it's conditional. And he said, if that's going to happen for you and to you, you got to see me when I leave. Now, how many of you think for a moment at this time that Elijah knows how he's going to leave? I don't think he does. He just knows a truth, and that is I'm not going to be here always. Now, with that, whether he knew or didn't, he said, you got to be seeing me when I leave. And as a result, I can only imagine the young anointed prophet-to-be is going around in his back pocket. He has his eyes on him everywhere. Have any of you ever saw someone serving the Lord in kingdom work that you really would like to emulate, that you could have liked to have been like? You know, probably there's been many men I can remember in my lifetime, you know, and uh, just, just you wanted to be near them. And then as you grew older, I never thought, never, God never called me to preach until I was 19. And, you know, while I was around these preachers, bivocational preachers all my life, I, something just maybe said, hey, that's a good man there. When I grow up, I wouldn't mind being like that man, not doing what that man's doing being like him. Now Elijah is obeying God's plan, serving what, what the writer calls the end in mind. From Gilgal to Bethel, about eight miles, then Jericho, 14 miles, to see the students at the prophetic schools the last time. Elisha, to stay behind permission here, but Elisha insists on following in other words, he has permission to stay behind, but he wants to follow. Elijah, if you read the passage in 2 Kings 2, 1 to 5, is not here forever. He's soon to be gone. And now we're trying to prepare a smooth transition for the one who is to follow. How many of you know that churches aren't known for making smooth transitions? Yes, they're not known for making smooth transitions, you know. And I'm not uh, saying that the process that we have of selection is bad. I'm just saying sometimes we let, we let our human, uh, our feelings get involved in that. And now we're seeing God make the transition from the prophet Elijah. Boy, they, people loved and admired the prophet. And now when he's gone, who's going to be the prophet? Elisha is. Can you imagine how Elisha would have such huge shoes to fill? But hey, God is the one that's making the transition. So with that in mind, Elisha's given just a choice to make. What would you have from me? Just a double portion of your spirit. You know, if you think back to things that we could look back in the Old Testament. Remember Solomon was asked one time, of anything you could ask for, what would you wish? How many remember what Solomon wanted? 
wisdom to lead the people. And because he didn't ask for something selfishly, you remember the Lord gave him even what he didn't ask for. Isn't it amazing when somebody asks us, what would you want? What begins to run circles in our minds? Well, here, here's a good example of, of what, what we should be or how we should be thinking. The writer in the lesson today on page 122 says, How have others challenged you to a lifestyle of faithful following? Now, you know, uh, sometimes you see an article in the newspaper. There's been a school teacher who's been chosen maybe as teacher of the year, and they tell us who it was that inspired them to be the teacher they are. At the end of every year, or usually in a graduating class, there's a star student. And then again, they tell what teacher inspired them the greatest. Well, now we're discovering that's applicable as well in the spiritual realm. And Elisha said, I want to be like Elijah. Now we move to verses 12 and verse uh, on. Verse 12 said, as Elisha watched, he kept crying out, My father, my father, the chariots, the horsemen of Israel. When he could see him no longer, he took hold of his clothes and tore them in two picked up the mantle and had, that had fallen off Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle Elijah had dropped and struck the water. Where is the God of Elijah? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? He asked. He struck the water himself and it, depart, and it parted to the right and the left. Elisha crossed over. Now, a lot of stuff goes through my mind as I read this. Number one, I want us to think about how many times Old and uh, Old Testament here we saw the waters depart. Uh, saw the waters part. We saw them part at the Red Sea, didn't we? You know, the Scripture will tell us that there was a time in the life of Joshua. What happened? How did all the people get across the Jordan that time? The waters parted. Now we find them here, Elijah, they parted. If that's not well enough, now we likewise find that with Elisha they part. Now what does that tell us about God? He never changes. He's able. So with that, Elisha now watch. What is he watching? Not a picture show. What is he watching? A God thing, isn't he? He's watching as Elijah's taken up. And then he begins to cry out, Father, Father, my Father, the chariots, the horsemen of Israel. And when he couldn't see him any longer, he took hold of his clothes and tears them in two. And he picks up the mantle that had fallen off of Elijah. Have we saw the mantle before? Not literally with our eyes, but we saw Elijah use the mantle, did we not? And now Elisha is very familiar with the mantle and the, what the mantle represents and what, 
We discover from that Elijah now has allowed that to be there. He has left it for a purpose, I believe, and that purpose was that Elisha is the man to lead from this day forward. Now, the writer said in discipleship and leadership, passing the baton is crucial. Elisha was clearly undone at the sight of his mentor leaving him. We've literally only seen one other person leave like this before. Who was he? There wasn't nobody with him to tell the story either. Who was he? Old Testament, book of beginning, chapter 5, I think it is. What we find from that is Enoch and Elijah might be pictures of how the church will leave the world. That's right. Enoch was not, for God took him. And, and because of that, we see now that this is a means whereby God takes these two men and carries them home. Now, passing the mantle. By mentoring Elisha to replace him, Elijah had left a legacy that ensured a great prophet would still be calling God's people to obedience. Because of Elijah's preparation, Elisha was able to carry on his work without missing a step. Elijah was swept up into the whirlwind. And the mantle Elijah had, had, had once cast over Elisha's shoulders was now his to pick up and make it his own. And what we find there is a beautiful picture of a smooth transition of leadership. They're in the position of the prophet there of Israel. Leaving the place where he had lost his mentor, Elisha retraced his steps. He called on God to be with him as he had been with Elijah. He crosses the river. He goes back to the side of Jericho. And from there, we'll find the ministry of Elisha. Moving up, Elijah... And then we find moving on is Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. Any thoughts? Anybody have a word? Well, it's been six good studies, hasn't it? Now, for those of you who have a book in your hand, page 126. Matter of fact, I'll give somebody my book. But page 126 through 128 is a good presentation of Elijah. Now, I began reading that the other day. It starts on page 125, and it's by Robert C. Dunstan, Elijah, a man of God. Boy, that's, that's a good reading. If you'll read that, you'll get to understand a lot more about Elijah that we didn't cover in these, uh, in these six weeks, okay? Now, as I told you, if you're going to remain in the class here or in a class that uses Bible studies for life. There's the key to it. Now, you may be, as an adult, going into a class that teaches uh, using the Bible book series. I think I heard Billy Heath say on Wednesday night in prayer meeting, forgetting the three of the epistles, the pastoral epistles, I believe. Uh, I can't remember. I know Philemon was one of those epistles. 
uh, but I can't remember the other two. So those books would be available in the hallway. I do have some books here for Bible studies for life up here with me, and I'd be more than happy to get one in your hands before you leave. But if you're going to be getting the Bible book series, pick that up in the hallway, okay? Thank you. God bless you. Uh, get you some water. We'll be beginning worship here soon.